I would like to welcome everybody to Randomality at its finest. Today I am uh, pleasured with the guest of John Barnard. Is that how you say it? Yes. Yeah, okay, it good. Is. I didn't yeah. mess it up. I was worried I was going to mess it up. <laughs> John, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Just living that uh, college and work life, constant slaving away. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, I know you're, is. you're in college too, right? How's, yeah. How are you liking that or disliking that? You know, it's interesting. Right now, it's kind of I'm just taking classes that I don't feel are important. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel the need to take. And it's just like they're hard classes. And then it's to the point where it's just like, is this worth it? Is this worth me paying and going there? You know? Yeah. And it's. Uh... Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I know before the podcast, you'd brought up to me that you there's some things you dislike about the education system in this country. And I told you, no, wait, 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 I want to hear it on the podcast and not yeah. beforehand. So if you wouldn't mind maybe explaining some of those to me and we can. Sure. Yeah. So I guess, first of all, um, some of my main issues are more of with high school and kind of middle school ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they are doing it just about completely wrong, because if you look at some of the things and how much even in just a 10 year span how much life and technology has really changed and everything like that mm-hmm. and yet if you look at school the school system and classrooms have not changed at all correct they've been the exact same for a long time and especially with the new world now of how everybody is looking for creative minds not necessarily the facts that you can pull out of your mind mm-hmm. and to me the school system or the high school system at least is um to me i i like to think of it more as it's pretty much bulimic because mm-hmm. it force feeds you information and then they force you to regurgitate it when it comes to the test mm-hmm. and then they're and, ex- and then they ask you to be creative 10 minutes later yes exactly and it's kind of it goes on to this whole thing where it's just not necessarily preparing you for the life after high school and just life in general because they teach you um things like math which i get the basic the general ed classes and everything they're important to an extent Mm -hmm. some of them you know and i think schools need to put more of an effort on the extracurricular um classes and Mm -hmm. the electives and things like that because it forces kids to be able to find themselves and figure themselves out for sure rather than hating and dreading going to school for sure yeah my biggest issue with it has always been Really, how they prepare you the entire time they're preparing you for the next set of classes, which exactly. has been my issue. In yeah. elementary school, it was, well, we're preparing you for middle school. Middle school, well, we're preparing you for high school. High school, well, we're preparing you for college. And it's like, at a certain standpoint, the funny thing to me is that there's only one class in college that the kind of, or not college, in high school, rather, that teaches you how to do your taxes. And it had, from my experience, they didn't really teach it that well. Yeah. And so it that that is sucked. an issue amongst people so that's my thing is it's interesting that they're basically just preparing you for college it's like at what point are you preparing me for life right and then you go to college and some people spend all this money on it and they don't find a job uh, sure most people do but it may not even be what they went to school for mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then they're missing like for instance And I know parents are kind of, some would argue parents are there for showing you some of those things. Yeah. But there are a lot of kids who are not privileged enough to have 
that is true that kind of structure in their life yeah. and i think if if schools such as high school high school in particular taught things like how to do your taxes you know basic basic living things stress management yes things like yeah, that. time management and i know that there's little extra things that you can take like you can go to classes after yeah. but really but you get like one two periods out of the well, seven that, for and, a certain class and schools. you look at people in general you look at something like that and you're like, I don't want to take that class. Yeah. So it's kind of like something that needs to be required in order for you to graduate. Yeah. Also another problem, I'm not too upset about it, but I, I find it quite frustrating how expensive college is. I, yeah. I'm not advocating it be free because quite frankly, I don't think that that's the way to do things. Okay. Um, I think you look at high school right now, it's free and a lot of people abuse that quite heavily um but i am saying that i think that there should be in some ways some sort of government subsidy or something that that create that kind of almost undertakes the monopoly that universities have on college um because that's the problem is they can charge this price for tuition this price for books and i I do like that a lot of colleges are starting to look at online books and starting to reduce that price um, but it is quite frustrating to see, okay, I want to better develop myself and full and more uh, further develop my education on certain topics, topics that will be crucial to my life success. Uh, right. Hopefully, as you yeah. say, you're taking a couple that you don't feel are. Um, but the, the fact that they charge such a steep price for that almost completely offsets the potential benefit that yeah. they could have, which is really frustrating. Again, I'm not advocating that it be free, but I'm advocating that we somehow find a way to reduce or minimalize the monopoly that universities have on the price points, you know, whether that's in government subsidies or if there's a different form of university open. I don't know what it, what the answer is quite, and I'm not proposing that I do. I'm just proposing that it's a problem, obviously, people are aware of, but yeah. And, and I don't know the right answer. To me, the right answer is not the one proposed to make it free. I just, to me, that money comes from somewhere still. Your your taxes or however you're losing it. Yeah. And then everybody's paying for everybody to go to college. And then there's definitely 100% going to be people who decide not to take advantage of that. Or when they do decide to go, they treat it like high school and they kind of jack around the whole time. Yeah. They don't take it seriously. And they get they get nothing out of it, and people who weren't them paid for it. Yeah, and I get that. Like to me, college and school in general just isn't necessarily for everyone. Mm-hmm. Not everyone either has the luxury to go. And to me, I feel like the general stereotype is that the people who get college and things handed to them, they take advantage of it and they just they like what you said just jack around you know do Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff um then again there are some people who you know work their butts off to be able to get those certain scholarships being able to go to their for free and they really do work and get if i could interject though i don't think a scholarship is having it handed to you i think you had uh -uh. to be at a certain level in order to get that yeah not well i i would say not in all cases but i think most cases like 99 percent of cases people who have scholarships most likely did something positive to earn that so anyway sorry no it's fine um 
I guess. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, you're good. Um, <clears throat> the another thing, if if I could move on, if you remember, that's that's awesome. If not, another thing that kind of frustrates me mostly about college is it's so heavily based on one test or two mm. tests, midterm, yeah. final. Um, and to me, that's kind of silly because they're piling all this information on throughout weeks. And then they say, mm. okay, here's your one opportunity to prove that you've got it down. And and another thing that kind of bothers me about that is what if there's a question over a topic and the question was weird in a weird way or weird worded rather in a weird way. Um, and then that person got that wrong because of the way the the question was worded, but they actually understand the subject. But the, right. the question was just odd. Well, now they've been deemed unknowledgeable of that topic based off of one question. Not not that all tests do it that way, but I just think it's silly that everything is kind of thrown into this pool. It's like, here's your one opportunity. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, I think it does teach good skills. Like, um, it helps with your memorization. It helps you kind of, you know, it kind of increases the severity of you paying attention so that you understand things. So I like the idea of finals and midterms because I think that it kind of keeps you honest. But I think to rely so much of your academic success on that is kind of a scary thought. It's like, I'm not as good as this one test, you know, and there's a, even a lot of people who struggle with tests in general, Yeah, which that's a bad hand to be dealt if you're in college. Yeah. Cause you know, and I get that it does, it does teach some useful things, but then also it kind of just feeds into my point, how the school system is kind of just bulimic mm -hmm. in that sense. And, um, I think because like some high school um, teachers, they know some of the students aren't good at tests. They know everybody isn't. For sure. And so they exchange that out for doing projects, things like that. It's something that they could be good at. And I think, I think that most teachers, in a sense, should get paid a lot more because then that would motivate them Absolutely. to bring more joy into their classroom. And that, in a sense will then boost morale and, I guess, the happiness of the students themselves. Because, like, because not everyone is the same. Not two, not two kids are the exactly the same. Their brains are wired completely different, and they have different needs, different, you know, things that they need to do. And for one teacher to teach it the same way to everyone, then some kids might not get it. They need extra help certain things and it's just like some teachers aren't there to necessarily help them through that and so then it makes them be or fail or For whatever sure. now my only problem with with that it's i'm worried about the idea though along with that that society needs to shape to you because you're special you know what i mean yeah i don't want people feeling like i'm special I deserve to be treated differently than everybody else. I do believe that there should be a general, like, this is where you need to be to succeed. And I do believe that there's certain things that, uh, that like children, when they're in the education system, I don't think that we should be like, oh, be nice to them. Don't give them tests because they might yeah. fail. You know, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. But um, I do worry if we change too much of it, that that will become more of an issue than it already kind of has become. Um, 
I'm well, curious, think... what are some of your th- thoughts on how to maybe strengthen the education system? Um, strengthening it, I think it needs, I think for starters, it needs to be focused more on collaboration instead of competition for starters because you always compete for like honors role or oh yeah like i have an a in the class or whatever you know like if it was based more on collaboration creativity and innovation with how the world itself is that now it's evolving to be the united states is now one of the biggest innovative countries in the world yeah that is very clearly what our what our society is driven by nowadays if you look at the number of business students Mm -hmm. in comparison to a lot of other fields. I mean, I'm sure that they're, the other fields have good numbers. I honestly haven't looked at them. But as far as I can tell, just attending a university, the yeah. the business student numbers have definitely substantially increased over the years. And you can tell that it's going to keep going that way. And that's that's become a trend is that like the whole entrepreneurship has been deemed very cool. Mm-hmm. And socially acceptable now and now that everybody wants to do it and they think that it's all entitled to them Mm -hmm. like oh yeah like i'm gonna go to college i'm gonna build my own company things like that be like yeah you still have to work you still have to hustle for it well there's a lot of things that go into the ones that yeah you know because an interesting thing that i've heard before is when you think about owning a business and a successful one there are so many businesses in this country and in the world and there's always a, a person or a business, someone at the head of a business that's willing to work harder than you. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody. And if you're not willing to work that same level, there's somebody fail. beneath you that's willing to work yeah. that level. It's highly competitive. There's somebody who's out there who's willing to work like 15 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't working your 15 hours a day, yeah. they're going to surpass you. They're going to, they're going to, take over the spot that you were once in because you can't you can't keep up with someone who's working 15 hours a day Mm -hmm. um if you're not yeah um you you have to you have to hustle and you have to out hustle the people who are because no matter what there's always going to be someone else fighting while you're sleeping for sure you know well and the interesting thing about our country becoming more business oriented is that i it's not necessarily innovation i don't think that people are appealing to i think it's the idea of being your own boss yeah i don't think people enjoy being told what to do i think people have started realizing hey if i am willing to put into work the work and i and i'm able to get down these basic business concepts which really when you look at them aren't that complex Mm -hmm. um it's just basically knowing how to manage your money and how to you know, obviously you have to be good with people and whatnot. Yeah, keeping them happy. Um, that kind of stuff. But I do think the biggest appeal to it is the fact that people don't want to be bossed around. They want to be their own boss, yeah. which is neat. But you will definitely whittle out the people who are only doing it to be their own boss in yeah. comparison to the people who actually have the passion and whatnot. Yeah, because I feel like some of the people who just want it to be just want to be their own boss and things like that when they are they're probably going to get lost and confused and not know what to do because they've been used to being told what to do by either their parents or teachers you know whatever it is then they're going to be like well what do i do now yeah you gotta govern yourself now yeah and that's 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 a shock to people it is yeah and that's why that's why 99 percent of businesses fail you know coming 
coming off of the uh, the education thing, something I I know I've spoken to you about before that I find kind of interesting. Um, growing up, I had I still do have kind of a mild form of dyslexia. Not it's not a heavy form. Uh, yeah. There's definitely people with much worse dyslexia than me. Um, but it was funny when I was in elementary school and they sent me home with reading homework, right? My mom would watch me read and it would be a struggle. Yeah. She'd be, she'd notice I switch words around mm-hmm. and she brought it up to the school. And the funny thing to me was that they didn't want to call it dyslexia. They kept saying, oh, no, no, he just needs more reading classes. Oh, no, no. And then finally, dish them out to you. Yeah. Well, and yeah. then finally what happened was they finally admitted, well, we don't call it dyslexia anymore. We call it this or we call it that. So it's funny to me that they kind of, in a sense, were avoiding putting that right. definition on me. Yeah. Um, but but the the tough thing about dyslexia is, is that it makes you flip everything around. Okay. Because the kind of the negative side of dyslexia. Um, when I was a kid, I really struggled with my B's and D's. They would get flipped around. My P's would get mixed up with my B's and D's. Okay. Numbers, which the funny thing about numbers is I always struggled. I'd flip numbers around. Like if the number was 756, I'd do 657. Okay. Like weird weird things like that. Yeah. But oddly enough, I was still always in advanced math classes. Right. <laughs> not not sure how I was doing decent <laughs> enough to do that. But, um, but anyway, it made it very hard to read hard to write because you had to basically in your head deconstruct the words a little differently. And again, I'm lucky. I didn't have it bad. I was able to, I took, I think it was five or six years of extra reading classes dedicated to just reading. And it kind of, it really did help me overcome it to a point where I'm no longer a bad reader, but I'm not great. Kind of like right in the middle. Okay. Um, I could read something and understand what's going on, but because sometimes it's a bit difficult, I lose interest in books, okay. which is why I, I haven't finished many in my life. Yeah, I wish I could. I really wish that because you listen to anybody who's smart or like they all successful. Talk about reading they all books. talk about here's your key: Sorry. read books. Um, right. And I wish I could do that. I yeah. just I can't stay interested enough in it. That's the same way with me. Like I despised reading oh, in man. school because it was just like all the books we read never was any of interest and i just i was never good at reading mm-hmm. i was always slow it's tough and it's just and you have to do it more to get better at it and the yeah. more you do it the more you despise it exactly that's what happened with me yeah. i took all these extra reading classes read 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 test you over your reading speed yeah and now it's just like <laughs> reading yeah you just despise it but something that i find interesting from dyslexia for people who don't know basically what it does is it makes you see things backwards it makes you flip Mm -hmm. things people with really severe cases will have to read a page from a different direction than you normally do in order to um kind of keep their thoughts straight yeah but for me something i've noticed is a really positive is when i look at things because of how i've been taught to kind of break things down that's how i over kind of overcome my dyslexia um I I slow down, I process things more, which actually makes me understand things more. But it's interesting how I've kind of started applying that to my my life. And when I talk to people, it's interesting because I I almost look at it from a backwards view and I really process everything, Okay, which has been a really odd benefit to me. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just kind of weird. 
It's just um, like a different way of listening. And yeah, understanding. it's a di- it's yeah. it's so odd how it completely has changed the way I listen as I've adapted to it. Um, and luckily I haven't had to do anything crazy. I've heard of people having to write from like the right side of the page to the left oh and Jeez. all sorts of, luckily I'm nowhere near that. Yeah. I just struggle with my B's and D's and P's and then <laughs> I flip numbers around. I still do to this day. Right. It's kind of frustrating because it's like, you know, why am I flipping these freaking numbers around? Yeah. Um, but it's neat how something that, that could be deemed a, like a negative has certain positive kind of effects to it. Right. And that kind of just goes into more of like how you perceive it. Like, yeah, like everybody has their own weaknesses and things like that. But it's just like you just have to realize, okay, you have it. Work on your strengths. It's just so odd. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It just goes to prove you can literally find, well, not everything, but in a lot of things you can find positives. Right. Which is really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I've, I've noticed, I know we were talking about the direction society's heading in earlier. One thing I've noticed uh, as an issue with today's society is I've noticed a lot of young people don't like to have conversations. Yeah. Do you feel the same? I do not because yes, there might be a lack of physical communication, but mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not having communications and relationships and connections on through their phone and technology and things like that. But are those connections quality? Depends on the ones you make. It's just like in real life, like physical connections. You, everyone has like bad connections, bad friends. You know, mm-hmm. they won't last. Sometimes the virtual connections won't last. And- what i mean by communication i mean like this what we're doing right now right i see it as a very rare that someone in today's youth i'm not saying everybody there are plenty of people in today's youth that like to talk and like to you know yeah and i and i don't mean just talk like about random things i mean talk like talk talk about things topics issues right um but i see a lot of people who do not want to sit down and have a conversation about anything. They don't want, they don't, first of all, if they have an opinion, they don't want it stated in a place where someone can see who they are. They'd rather it be on Twitter or something where if they say it, it's behind a screen, nobody knows who yeah, they are. And they like to hide. There's no repercussions for what they say. Um, a lot of people, to me, just kind of resist that physical communication of having to explain yourself that's because i feel like a lot of that is pretty much coming out of fear fear of that if you do state your opinion that oh they're gonna think differently of me they're not gonna think they're not gonna see me for who i am but it also goes to the point where if you change your mindset to thinking it doesn't matter what other people think about me because they don't know everything that i've been through they don't know me so why do why do for I sure. give them the respect of either that's, doing saying something to an, me that's not true? That's an interesting look on it. And I wonder, do you think I, I, I actually completely understand what you're saying and I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I wonder so I know you I'm sure you've noticed the political split between okay. the country. Yeah. People pick their side. Mm-hmm. We're not friends if you're on the other side is the way people seem to be sometimes. Yeah. I wonder if that's that split has become so obvious that it's inducing that fear. 
you know like i don't want to share my opinion because if i do i'm gonna have to pick a side possibly you know because i think if you do if someone is like openly like a democrat or a republic you know whichever one or Mm -hmm. you know whatever um and they state something that doesn't necessarily go with the traditional whatever like democrat you know whatever political view then they're going to be judged for it and they're gonna be like well you don't deserve to be people are going to judge them and things like that so then that's probably where that fear derives from i agree with you that people need to be more what's what would be a good thick-skinned yeah they need to be as i'm sure as everybody knows this generation is considered like the the butt hurt uh, generation yeah yeah um but i do you know and i I agree with that i think people need to be a little thicker skinned and more Mm -hmm. i don't care what people think but you do have to balance it because you can't walk around being like i don't care what you think and then you're presented facts and then you're like well i still don't care what you think (laughs) right you know those people are kind of like come on now just just the rude people Mm -hmm. but um it's also i pretty much like i've within the last year and a half or two years i recently changed my whole mindset on pretty much life itself oh yeah because of this self-made entrepreneur gary vaynerchuk amazing man just incredible um he pretty much is all about the thing be like not caring what other people think about you Mm -hmm. but then he's also all about kindness and respect and a quote that i just absolutely love from him is you respect everybody but listen to no one Hmm. means that you pretty much you hear what they have to say but if you don't if you don't like it forget it it doesn't matter no i get the way i interpret that quote if you don't mind me yeah um respect everyone it was respect everyone but listen to no one yes i think what he's saying in my interpretation from that is you respect everybody through you know, even giving their opinion, they give their opinion. Right. You respect it. You yeah. take it with a grain of salt. You take it to heart. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you listen to nobody and you have to form your own opinion. Yeah. You have to be mm-hmm. yourself and create your own mindset. Um, I like that quote quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I do agree with that, that life motto. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. I really do enjoy it. He has just tons of them. And I listen to just about every single word that he has to say because it all sure. makes so much sense to me. And I'm, I wish I would have known about him earlier on in life because that would have made a huge you difference. Know, to quote difference. somebody, uh, to quote Judge Judy, <laughs> okay, <laughs> get ready for this one. Uh, if it makes sense, then it's likely the truth. If it doesn't, then it's likely a lie. Yeah. So that's why I think you're drawn to somebody like that because what you're hearing it makes yeah, sense it and does. it's most likely because it is a, the correct thing it's the what he's yeah. saying is something that you probably should listen to because it makes so much sense yeah. you know the the best ways to live your life are not necessarily hidden yeah that's things that everybody says it's just they're kind of hard to achieve you have to actually yeah. hear it not hear it like oh i heard it but like hear it and then understand and then it. understand it and yeah. then do it right um and that's that's where i think a lot of people fall off because another a quote to quote gary v again um you can't just read about doing push-ups you have to go out and do them 
Mm-hmm. Like a whole bunch of people spend so much time going on YouTube, reading motivational quotes and everything like that. Be like, oh, this makes so much sense. And then go back home and sit down and cry. <laughs> and then don't do it. Yeah, exactly. And then complain about why they aren't achieving their goals. Yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. Exactly. Um, along with the, uh, the issues with communications, I know you disagree with me. And I know that you claim that cell phones are an assister almost in communication. Almost, yeah. Um, but I've noticed an overuse of them. And, you know, there always are. There's always going to be the abusers of certain things, you know, and things like that. But I feel like it's like a big problem. You think so? Like a lot of people. Yeah. For instance, there are a lot of younger kids that I know. Um, you could try to have a conversation with them. Like you could live on their phone. They will be playing Clash of Clans or something. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you say or what you do. You can get their attention for about 30 seconds and then it's right back to whatever they were doing. Yeah. It's it's like this absolute desire and need to communicate with people that are not in the room with you. Yeah. And to do things that are a distraction to what's currently happening in front of you. I think because it could just be because it's more fun <clears throat> to them. They might not have grown up with having that interaction, you know, things like that. So then it's, they kind of just resort back to being alone. Exactly. And like some people, um, I guess can go around and some people like video games, things like that. It's kind of just like an escape from them, from the real world. For sure. And I feel like that's probably where some of that overuse comes from, but it's not necessarily saying that it's a bad thing. Well, to me, it's an addiction. Okay escaping the real world is okay and fine and dandy for yeah. an hour or so. But when you're escaping the real world for your whole life, yeah, and it's prevalent amongst a lot of people, I, again, I'm somebody who plays video games all the time. I mm-hmm. love video games. I think there are plenty of people who actually nowadays can make a living playing video games. Exactly. It's To me, it's a valuable thing um, in society to say, I'm going to play video games if you're good at them. Exactly. You know, uh, and I don't think playing video games every day is bad. I think as long as you take care of your responsibilities first, yeah. it's, it's okay. But I think if you're using it constantly as a blockade to what's going on around you, it becomes a problem. Um, One really neat thing. Do you have an iPhone? Yes. Yeah. Do you get those weekly reports? From the news? From your phone. It tells you your usage report. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you look at that, a lot of people average around 10 hours a day. Yeah. Like younger younger kids average around 10, 9, 8 hours a day. Yeah. Um, to me, that is too much. You think? Yeah. I do. I, it's almost half the day. So yeah, I can see it. I'm not saying that it's bad to use your phone. I think it's a resource. Yeah. I think it's a good communication tool. I think... It is useful in so many ways. I could sit here all day and list off all the all the ways that you could gain so much knowledge from using the resources on a phone. But I think when the entire day is spent not communicating with other human beings, yeah, and it's spent sitting there, you know, doing whatever you're doing, it doesn't even matter what it is. And, and when I say communicating with human beings, I don't mean like Twitter or Facebook yeah. or you know, because that's not. That's not an interaction necessarily. You could be having productive conversation on there, sure. But for some reason in my mind, I feel like that's not happening. Um, Okay. I feel like that's one of the reasons that a lot of these young kids, when they get a job, 
They go out into the real world. They have no idea how to have a conversation with another human being. When when their parents are teaching them, here's what you got to do. You got to go to the bank and you got to deposit this check. They have yeah. no idea how to start that conversation with the cashier or with the front lady. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there, It's like there's another layer of development that now has to be added on top of children because they're, and it's not their fault. I'm not claiming it's uh-huh. their fault. They're born into a world that's crazy. We have <laughs> devices everywhere. Um, and again, I'm not saying the devices are bad. I'm just saying I think they're overused and misused. Right. Which is creating a future further problem in developing people. I think it will take just that much longer to develop a person to their full potential because of the fact that they're born with no limitations on the devices around them. Yeah. And how do you fix the problem? I mean, to my greatest knowledge, I think the best way is it starts with the parents. You know, I think I, I think you need to limit your child to how much they're using their cell phone. Limit them. You know, you can play video games all night if you want, but you, you have to get up in time for school. You have yeah. to make it there in time. You have to do your homework. You have to complete, you know, whatever chores you have to finish your responsibilities and your life responsibilities have to come first. The way I always looked at it, if I played video games until three in the morning, I had to be up at eight. As long as I'm up at eight and I'm functioning and I'm doing my responsibilities, it's not harming yeah, anybody but fine. myself. Yeah. Um, but once it gets to a point where it's affecting your life and other people's lives, you know, if you get a job and you don't show up to your job because you're playing video games too long, you know, that affects other yeah. people. Um, but eventually it starts to affect your life. And I just think if we monitor that level as parents, then that transfers into the adult life. Now, sure, you don't want to do it too much because then you get into an issue where the child revolts and then they do it when they become an adult almost obsessively. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a fine balance as there is to everything in life. And there is, there is. There's definitely a fine line in it. But then also... I feel because parents play a huge role in a kid's development and everything like that. And they can seriously influence them. See, like if they were to take away the electronics for say, however long, you know, then that, yeah, that'll force the kid to go out and maybe do something Mm -hmm. kind of explore the world, do things like that, figure themselves out. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't always also do that through technology, through a For phone. Sure. Maybe we just need to find a more creative way of making sure that it's healthy. Right. Yeah. Because I'm not a I'm not blind to the fact that technology is growing rapidly, and that there's probably a very effective way to do that. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just the the way I look at it in general, in a nutshell. As I look at it as when you're not out in the real world, you're losing physical activity. You're losing mental health. And the reason I say that is a lot of kids that you see nowadays will lay in their bed all day. They'll be on their phone. Yeah. It's said the number one causing issue when it comes to depression is the fact that you sleep in too long and you stay in bed too long. Because the longer you stay in bed, the less you're needed by other people. The less you're needed by other people, the less valuable okay. your life starts to feel like it is. And it leads to okay. depression. It leads to not being able to communicate to other people face-to-face. Sure, you can type to them, yeah. and, you know, but you need to be able to 
have a conversation with another human being and not, you know, be like a robot. To me, right. that's the over the 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 umbrella of an issue there. How we solve it, I personally don't care. I just think it needs to be solved. Okay. Right. Yeah, and I think I'm on the same page as you. Like I don't I don't know how you would fix that, but on the point of like, you know, like how laying in bed and getting up too or staying in too late mm-hmm. um causes depression and things like that. Um I think that there's also a lot of reasons why kids would do that. Either sure. to either like abuse and escape the real world. Maybe they're having trouble at school. They're getting bullied. You know, things like that. They want to. They just want to be alone. The problem with that, though, is the only thing, the only thing that solves that is conversation. Laying in yeah. bed and staying away from the world just yeah. piles it up and makes a bigger issue. It's because they don't know how else exactly. to deal with it. And it's a, a, going yeah. back to education, another yeah. thing that we could talk about. Yeah. Because it's, it really has become a big issue in society. Yeah. I think the United States is one of the highest suicide rates in the world, Maybe. if I'm not incorrect. I have no idea. And I even know that uh, um, depression is very high here. You know, social anxiety disorder is very high yeah. here. Um, and you think to yourself, well, why is that? Why are Why are people in one of the wealthiest countries in the world so depressed like seriously yeah something that's really interesting a fact that i tell people that people are a little blown away by is you you in your lifetime will be at the top 20 percent of the wealth in the world yeah no matter Mm -hmm. where you are at some point you will be because that's how lucky people in the united states are they're lucky enough to have you know even if you took the the most poor person in the country and compared them to the most poor person in another country, they wouldn't compare in any way, yeah. shape, or form. And that's where, like, you just have to you have to live life to the fullest. You have you can't be living for, sure. for the past. You have to live for the Which, now. For some people, I get it. Depression is a real issue. Right. It's not as I've learned. I've been blessed with the ability to wake up in the morning and be like, I'm happy, unless something yeah. truly makes me upset. Right. Um, but there are plenty of people who wake up and they're, they, they just, they just feel everything. undervalued. They, yeah. they dread their, their day. Um, and that, that's a real problem. It is. But I do think that a good way to start at that is, you know, maybe teach about it in school so people are more right. aware of it since it is set, becoming such a big issue in our country. Yeah. Um, maybe from a standpoint of parenting or even from a standpoint of studying, I think we need to figure out what is really leading to this. Because as we right. notice, it's increasing. And the only thing that we can really compare it to, besides time going on, is technology. Technology is evolving. Yeah. You know, I, I I don't know. Maybe there there's definitely societal norms that have changed. So maybe yeah. it can be compared to that. But I do think that it would be nice if there were, and I'm sure there are plenty, but if there are more studies going towards that to kind of see if we can find the issue. Because I can sit up here all day and say that phones are causing some of it can be a, I'm not going to say that they're causing it because I don't think that they're causing depression. <laughs> I think that they might be a sub effect or a sub cause rather of, right. of depression. I think they yeah. might play a role into it. Um, but really I'm, since you're not a billionaire really you know people really i'm gonna... just uh a dumb college student with a microphone so 
Yeah. <laughs> and that and that's how it is. Um I feel like a lot of people now with the whole technology and depression things like that, you know, like there there's not as much kindness and happiness going hmm, on in the for world. Sure. And a lot of people think that oh, just cuz you have money, you need to make money in order to be happy. And, but there are plenty and plenty of millionaires and people who are very well off for are sure. just depressed and hate life. But then there are plenty of people out there who make $50,000 a year. Um, they coach a team, you know, and they're just, they're happy as can be. They couldn't their be any is, happier. Yeah. And those, to me, people are the people who are winning One thing, life. going back on the kind of society being less kind, one quote that I heard that I heard that kind of made me say, whoa, you know, mm-hmm. just made me just stop for a minute and think. Yeah. Was um there's this this gentleman named Dakota Myers, I think is his name. He was in the military. Is I apologize if I'm getting the story a little mixed up because I'm just trying to super oversimplify it. Yeah. Basically he was in the military, he went to Afghanistan, he lost a bunch of his teammates, he had to kill somebody and I he something happened to him, he got really injured, like really bad. Okay. Um but anyway, a quote that he gave was, I would give anything for a 912. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. I would do anything for another 912, but I'd do anything to prevent another 911. Okay. The only reason that that strikes me is because if you think back, and I know that you were very young. Yeah. I was too. <laughs> but if you think back to 912, the day after 911, this country's never been more united, ever. Right. There were American flags on every picket fence. Yeah. The whole community came together <clears throat> to help clean up the mess. People came together in prayer, and I'm not saying that religion is the answer here. I'm, I'm just simply saying people came together in prayer, and people people gathered in the streets to support yeah. one another, and it was such a unique day. Right. Obviously, no one ever wants that tragedy to happen ever again. Mm-hmm. And as he said, he would do anything to keep it from happening again in that right. quote. But he would give anything for nine twelve to happen again. Yeah. Which is a neat thing because it's true. It's crazy to me that such a terrible thing has to happen for such a good outcome. It's sad, yeah. but I just I do wish the society was a little more like that nine twelve day. Yeah. And that's that's kind of just how it is sometimes. You know, sometimes it takes a tragedy for you to realize something. Maybe to, for you to realize that, wow, maybe maybe we should change. For and sure. something like that. And I feel like we definitely did change um, a well, lot. And I think the, sorry to interrupt, but I think sorry. the biggest reason people realize that is because they're like, why are we fighting with each other? Yeah. You know, like know. this is stupid. You know, this is our country. Somebody's attacked it. People have died yeah we should support one another right and it's like you almost it's like people need for some odd reason people need to wait until something horrible happens and they're like oh my god that happened there's no reason that i should be treating them like people like this yeah and i think like especially right after 9-11 there's a huge stereotype going on about um arabians things like that Mm -hmm. um for sure they're just being you know oh like they're horrible people they're all associated with each other Mm -hmm. which i get you know i really do get why people do that why people make those yeah it all comes out of fear and the and it's all 
just a survival instinct but not, to make those not assumptions. Not to defend that though, because right, yeah. assuming that someone is a terrorist because of their, exactly. their race is not okay. But yeah. I I understand what you mean. Yeah, but that that definitely was a negative of it. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which quite frankly, I didn't really fully think about. The only thing I was thinking about was the fact that we were so unified. But you're right. There, I guess there is in that circumstance always somebody that's left out. Right, and you know, it's just... So if we could get that without the person who's left out, <laughs> and without the tragedy, that'd be awesome. Exactly. <laughs> um, Somehow. Moving on to a different thing here, something that I saw the other day that was kind of neat. I was listening to, and my my listeners will get tired of me talking about this, because I'll talk about it every day. Um, I watch a lot of Joe Rogan's podcasts. Okay. And he had a producer by the name of Brian Grazer on there. Um, Brian, a really good example of a movie he did was A Beautiful Mind, I think is the name of okay. it. He's done a ton of movies. Yeah. Um, but one thing he was talking about, that, and I kind of related with him because, again, I said I have dyslexia. And he said he did, too. He had actually a pretty bad case of it um, when he was a kid. And he said the the way that he overcame this which I find interesting, and I think you can apply it to a lot of things, not just having issues learning because of dyslexia. I think you can apply it in general. He said what he learned was if he made eye contact with the professor or the teacher speaking the entire time they were speaking, he said not only did you understand the information more because you were physically forced to engage, okay, but also the teacher noticed because... Yeah. It's easy to see whose eyes are pointed at you and whose aren't. And when the teacher noticed, there was a connection created to the point where the teacher was more willing to help him and be lenient with him than other students who clearly weren't paying attention. So he said that was a life-changing moment for him when he realized how powerful eye connection was. Not only was he receiving more information and understanding more, Mm -hmm. but he was also given almost more respect for it. Um, so what I kind of wanted to hear is your opinion on eye contact, because I've never really thought of it like that, but I've noticed, I've noticed, for instance, something I do when I'm talking is sometimes you'll notice I'm not looking you dead in the eye. If you're talking to me about something deep, it's because I'm trying to listen. Right. I'm trying, I'm trying to, obviously we have headphones on right now and I'm trying to listen into my, my headphones and really try to grasp what you're saying. Yeah. But I have noticed when you make that eye contact with somebody, it's almost like a mutual like connection. It's like a a shared link. Right. Because right. I know that you're paying attention to me and that you know I'm paying attention to you. And since we're paying full attention, we're gathering what's being said. So I find that interesting. It is. It's it that's very I've never thought of it like that, which I understand because eye contact kind of it can show that you are showing interest in whatever is being said or done, things like that. You know, like if you go into like a concert or things like that and you're watching it and you're just not I don't know, like you're watching it but you're not really paying attention. Not engaged. Yeah, yeah you're not engaged. And then when it's finally over, you're just like, Oh, thank God it's finally over you know, but then if you if you're actual like the one of the performers and things like that, you look out and you just see a couple of people be like, oh, man, you know, like just they didn't enjoy it or things like that. You know, like it's it, you can definitely really tell a lot by 
what the person was doing by the eye contact sure. and how they react afterwards. Something that I find interesting, you can test this too. You can experiment this, but I've experimented with it since I listened to him talk a little bit. I've noticed when you make eye contact with someone and ask them a question, yeah, they always answer. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you ask a question to somebody, a lot of times they'll say what, or they didn't hear you, or, you know, or yeah. they'll just give you, like, I don't really care kind of an answer. Um, I've noticed if you ask someone a question and you make eye contact with them, they respond every time with a quality answer, which is interesting. Huh. I I, ne I just I was like hmm, I'm curious what will happen. Yeah. If if I kind of make the eye eye contact and see maybe if they hear me better. Ironically. Okay. You know you're seeing somebody so yeah. you hear them better. Um. But I I have noticed that trend. If I ask somebody a question, I'm making eye contact to them. It's almost like. They're for answer. well. They're also forced. Like I'm listening to you, so I have okay. to answer because yeah. there's nowhere to go. It's <laughs> you're looking right in the eyes. Right. You can't escape. Um, okay. So if you if you get bored and you want to, for sure, yeah, that's interesting. That. Yeah. And and I was even trying it the other day in class. Um, I have a history class, and I was trying to make eye contact with my professor. I was hoping that maybe it'd make me less bored on the topic, <laughs> but unfortunately, it's such a big class with ninety, like ninety-eight students. Yeah, he 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 kind of walked around everywhere, and it's like yeah. it's a little bit harder in that situation. But I do feel like for the times that I was like really actively trying to make eye contact with him, I yeah. feel like I understood it better. Okay, um, so I think I'm gonna do that more and see what I can yeah. get out of it because that is interesting information. Um. So I, I want to see where it takes me. Right. Which, it makes sense because when you think, when you're preparing for a job interview, for instance, they tell you a few things that you really need to do. Eye contact, firm handshake, and then, of course, self-hygiene. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and what that what I've noticed is, I, th I think the reason that the eye contact is so important is it's just like a handshake. It tells a lot about a person. Okay. You'll notice if someone's lying to you about something, like an answer right. to a question, they can't look you in the eye. Yeah. It's a telltale sign. Well, I don't... See, that's kind of where it kind of is interesting to me, because whenever I talk or like... I, I don't know. For me, it's almost just kind of awkward to a point looking at somebody in the eyes for, for sure. a long period of for time sure. you know like i always glance away and then i always look back but you gotta break it yeah. yeah exactly like while we're sitting here talking exactly yes yeah i agree and i don't know what that is i don't know if it's because yeah. it's like you can feel like it's like you can feel the connection and it's like this yeah. is weird it's the feeling you get when you, you feel you, like somebody's staring at you you know that they're having the same feeling yeah so you're like, okay, this is odd. I want to break it. This is weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want yeah. it to be. So, but I think when you take away the weirdness, you'll find that it's interesting how much yeah. maybe you can soak in. This is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and another thing, as as I just said, that they look for in a job interview or yeah. even in a business transaction, handshakes. Um, something that's really neat about that is, I think it was my uncle who told me this. If you have too firm of a handshake, you're an aggressive person. Yeah. If you have too light of a handshake, you're shy. Mm -hmm. 
And if you have the perfect handshake, you're right in the middle. You're the perfect the level of aggressiveness, handshake. but you're also yeah. not shy. You And I think, and I'm totally butchering this, um, but but this is how I perceived it, not exactly how he said it, but... Um, what I what I grasped from from him telling me this, and my uncle's a business owner, which is why I bring him up and why this okay. is important to me. Um, but what he told me is, you never want to do a business deal with someone who's overly aggressive because what that means is they might try to get one over on you, or like a higher risk. Correct, it's yeah. higher risk. Yeah, and you don't want to do it with someone who's shy because they might pull out yeah. of the deal. Okay, they might not follow through. They might not come to all the meetings that the, the, yeah. that's required because that they're likely sense. introverted yeah. um and they introverts i am one i yeah. would know don't like well, i'm kind of introverted <laughs> don't like to go out and do extracurricular things with people you know yeah right in the middle shows i'm aggressive enough to be confident in in my ability to fulfill whatever is going on yeah um but i'm also not overly aggressive but I have enough kind of introversion in me or enough pullback to control myself to the point where I'm not breaking your hand. Okay. So yeah. it's, you can grasp so much out of that. Um, it's just crazy to me because it's just like body language. It's pretty much just like a form of body language. It's, you could grab so yeah. much from it. It's, it's, it really is. Um, like I agree with you. You can tell a lot from either a handshake, you know, kind of like the, the the nonverbal communication almost to a sense um you can definitely tell a lot about a people um and then i am also see it's weird with me because i've kind of an introvert but then I, again whenever the opportunity prevents its or presents itself um i will go out and like do something i'm the um, same way yeah right and um I try not to hold back from certain things because it's just like, I always want to try something new. Yeah. See, that's where you lost me. Yeah. I, I enjoy talking to people, which is not introverted. No. Yeah. But I don't like going out and doing things. It's like, it's out of my comfort zone. Okay. Which is odd. It's something that I battle and I think I should battle because I don't think it's healthy to deny everything. Um, but that, that, that definitely is something that I, I agree with you. I'm kind of a mix. I have yeah. that extroversion and the fact that I like this podcast, I crave sitting down with another human being and right. discussing things and yeah. taking in their information and really mixing it with what I think and my opinions and creating okay. a new opinion afterwards. Yeah. Um, so it's weird that I'm kind of both, and it sounds like you are too. Yeah. Which is, in my opinion, a good thing. It is. But they still have their battles. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing I kind of wanted to cover with you, um, and I know you said you didn't know much about this, but mm-hmm. it intrigued me, so I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. So the question is, is humanity driven by innovation, or does innovation drive humanity? And what I mean by that is a lot of people say, well, humanity, it drives innovation. People create things. They, they innovate. Um, and that's how it's looked at. Like, for instance, the United States is very 
um, they drive innovation very well. People here are very creative, yeah. um, whatnot like that. But there are also a lot of people who believe that humans were actually created to innovate. Therefore, what I mean by that is innovation is what drives humanity. Humanity would stop if innovation didn't exist. If you look at all people of all time, everybody's always strived to have something better. It doesn't yeah. matter where you are. <clears throat> you could be a billionaire. You're still striving to create that better house, have that better car. Right. You're you're constantly striving for innovation. Um, no matter how good the cell phones get, we're constantly like, wow, that's cool, but there's it a new iPhone cooler. 52 here, and it's got <laughs> a bigger screen and all right. these cool things. Yeah. So if you look over the history of humanity, every single generation, which is crazy when you look at across the board yeah it doesn't matter where they are they're always trying to innovate so i'm trying to i'm I'm trying to understand is it that we were created under the idea of innovation or is it that we are the reason innovation exists does that make sense i think so i think because even if you look at like early the early people um things like that um they were always like in order for them to survive and eventually become us um we needed to be able to create things mm-hmm. create better things as more people showed up as more challenges presented themselves you always needed something a little bit better to help prevent those kinds of things for sure and so i think that definitely um or at least let me see if i get this right that um that um we're driven to be innovative okay if that makes sense no that does make sense okay we're driven to be innovative um and i agree yeah i just find it really crazy to think about the thought that it's almost like as human beings our one motivation is to innovate yeah no matter where you are in life no matter what your profession is, whether you're an entrepreneur trying to create something new or not, you're trying to create for yourself. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are. You're trying to innovate for yourself. Now, is that true for everybody? No, there's some people who are yeah. like, I'm where I am and I'm happy with it. I'm staying, um, which is, I think, usually found in older people. Um, I could see that. Yeah. But I just find it so intriguing that it seems like that's the that's across the board. Everybody's interest is to innovate and create new and upgrade from what right. i have constantly upgrade 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 and i i just think it's so interesting to think that our minds are almost wired with innovation in them okay yeah rather than striving to find like ra- rather than us pushing innovation i feel like innovation pushes pushes us i feel like it motivates us Right, yeah. I don't feel like we motivate innovation. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because, like, you're trying I mean, to get they, to the I mean, they point. are kind of similar in a sense. Right. Um, But I'm, I, I just find it so interesting with the idea that you can be driven by that rather than you driving it. Right. And I feel like it's hard for... I feel like it's hard for humans to drive innovation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it, I feel like it just has to be the other way around. Like you have to be, everyone's determined to do certain things, and that's where the motivation comes into play. 
And that's where you will eventually innovate and create new things. And eventually you'll hit that gold mine of something. And now, and now you're big. Now you're someone, For sure. you know, now you've innovated. Now yeah, you've created. exactly. So it's, it's just crazy to think about. Right. Well, anyway, I'll stop asking you the partially confusing questions. And yeah. uh, John, I appreciate you being on today. Thank you um, for having me. Yeah, it was fun. We'll have to try to do it again sometime. Of course. Uh, I enjoy your input and whatnot and look forward to seeing you on the next one. All right. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on yet another episode of Randomality at its finest. Please join me next time for more random conversation.